Hi, and welcome back to the Wellness Mama podcast, where I provide simple answers for healthier families. Today's interesting fact, did you know that an average person will consume 12 pubic hairs in their fast food intake each year? Fast food products are more likely to have human hairs, and you might never know about it. Think about the reported cases you hear of customers finding strands of hair in their fries. Um, With all the hairs that possibly end up in your stomach at the end of the year, you probably never even know about them. Today's guest is actually famous for her work with exposing secrets of fast food restaurants and other restaurants. Bonnie Hari, or the Food Babe, uh, has become very well known in recent years for exposing things like azodicarbonamide in Subway bread and artificial colors and flavors and chemicals in many food products around the world. And I'm replaying an interview I did with her for the Wellness Family Summit, which aired recently. If you'd like to see the rest of the presentations that aired during the Wellness Family Summit, you can go to wellnessfamilysummit.com and see the full lineup there and enter your email to get some free bonuses. But without further ado, um, here's Vonnie and we chat about all things food and natural and her whole journey to health. So here, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Wellness Family Summit. I could not be more excited about today's guest. She is a personal friend and an incredibly inspiring human being. Bonnie Hari writes at the wildly popular blog, foodbabe.com, and she has been on every major news outlet and has petitioned, successfully petitioned major companies to change the ingredients in their products with the help of her massive Food Babe army. And what's even more amazing is that this all started as a personal journey for her, and then now she's this amazing activist to help so many other people. So, Vani, thank you so much for being here, and welcome. Hey, Katie. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me as part of the summit. It's amazing. Awesome. So, um, most people know that you are widely known as the Food Babe, and you're doing some amazing things in spreading awareness of food ingredients. But can we start at the beginning? Have you always been interested in health and real foods, or was there a pivotal moment in your life that started this journey for you? Well, I was actually more interested in candy and fast food for the majority of my life, to tell you the truth. This healthy lifestyle has been a minority in my lifetime, if you can believe it or not. But um, you know, I grew up as a typical American child, but I had two immigrant parents that didn't know how to cook American foods, so they relied heavily on processed packaged foods, fast foods, and really wanted me and my brother to really fit in with everyone else around us in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I grew up and where I live now. And um, and so they basically um, allow, uh, allowed us to eat whatever we wanted. Um, and uh, as a result, I had so many issues as a child. I had eczema, asthma, allergies, um, always had stomach aches, never felt well, never felt like I had a lot of energy, didn't really feel like I could even concentrate in school, and um, didn't really uh, understand that food was actually affecting my body negatively until I started to change my diet after a health scare in my early 20s where I was working for a big six consulting firm and working um, that rat race lifestyle and eating what everybody else around me was eating and trying to you know continue to be um, successful in keeping up with all of my coworkers and getting into work before my boss got there and get leaving after my boss left and trying to live in this very like fast-paced culture and uh, my health habits and everything just kind of went by the wayside. And so 
Um, not only did I experience all of these issues as I had as a child, but I started to experience more issues, which included weight gain and other um, stress-related issues. And so um, when I had that health scare, when I had uh, my appendix taken out, it was really, um, and I call it a health scare, you know, appendicitis is like, the, a lot of people think it's a really normal thing, it can happen to anybody, it's a really, you know, um, minimal surgery, but you know, you're getting an organ taken out of your body, and for being, you know, in my early 20s, having all these health issues, being on several prescription drugs, and then having that happen to me, it was that breaking point that I said to myself, you know, this is some, a life that I no longer want to live, I don't want to feel this way, I don't want to look this way, and so I started to investigate what I had been doing with my body and investigate what I had been eating. And I started to channel all this energy that I learned in high school when I was a top-tiered ranked debater. And every year you get a topic, and one year's topic was healthcare. And, and every summer we would go away to debate camp where we learn how to research. And back then we didn't have Google, so we actually had to learn how to, you know, pick up the books off the bookshelf photocopy them for evidence so that you can find um, different um, points to like, you know, um, affirm your your resolution for that year or, or go against it. And you, you learn how to debate both sides and you had to look for, you know, sources of material and experts that believed a certain way so that you could debate and convince the judge in order to vote for you that you had the better argument. And so I started to channel all this energy that I learned back then, and, and at the time when I was studying the healthcare system, I realized it was screwed up, but I was using it to win debate rounds, that information. I wasn't really using it to my health. And so when I had that health care, I started to use this information for my health, and it started to change dramatically when I found out what was happening to our food supply, how it had been adulterated by not only genetically engineered ingredients, but also food additives that were approved for use in a very small amount, but now have been added to so many different foods and many of the foods that I had been consuming that the majority of food that I was consuming was processed in either from one or two crops, American crops, corn or soy, and it just made a lot of common sense to me that um, you know, you really can't get healthy, you really can't get all the nutrition that your body needs by eating one or two crops. And so I started to look elsewhere for my nutrition and started to pick up, you know, green leafy vegetables and some of the foods that have the highest nutrient content. And when I started eating those foods, my body started dramatically changing and I started to shun all the foods that I had been eating for most of my life, which include the fast food, the Subway, the Chick-fil-A. And um, at the time, I didn't really understand, you know, why I didn't have that taste for processed food anymore. But I quickly uh, started to realize why uh, that food tasted so different than real food when I started to learn about the food chemicals the food industry has been putting into food to either preserve it or make it taste a certain way or to um, cover up the fact that they're using food-like substances um, as food to make it taste like food or to make you crave it more than you should. And so I started to learn about all these food industry tricks and started to teach myself, reading every book under the sun that I could get my hands on and um, talking to experts, um, talking to scientists, talking to the consumer groups, the nonprofit organizations who are looking out for consumer health, talking to their lead 
scientists and their top uh, organizational staff, the presidents of those companies, to find out more information so that I could use it for my health. And so I started to, you know, build uh, this knowledge base just me being passionate for my own health, I didn't ever expect to use this information to teach the world about what's really happening in food. And um, really, foodbabe.com was born out of a request of friends and family who begged me to really share this information with them, especially my recipes and what I was eating on a daily basis so that they could follow this lifestyle too because they saw the 180 change in my health. They saw that I went from someone really sick and unhealthy that didn't look that great to someone now full of energy and off of prescription drugs and a maintenance of weight and started to feel more beautiful and look, look better and, and get rid of some of those ailments and, and, and completely transform my life. And so they wanted to, to know the secrets. And so I started foodbabe.com in April of 2011. And um, at first, I wanted to call it eathealthyliveforever.com. And you've heard this story before, Katie. But um, I really wanted to call it eathealthyliveforever.com because I really believe that. Like, if you eat healthy, you'll live forever.com. Maybe not the longest life, but you'll actually start to live your life. And um, I, I said over to my husband, who's the tech geek in the family, hey, can you register this name, this domain, eathealthyliveforever.com? And he said, that's a horrible name. No one's going to remember it. And he came up with the name Food Babe. And at first, you know, I was really shy about using that name for the blog. Um, I was still working in the corporate America. I, you know, I wasn't ready to call myself the Food Babe. But, you know, all my friends and my family who had requested the blog loved the name, thought it was cute. It was short, easy to remember. And, and so um, I started blogging under the pen name Food Babe as a way to kind of hide my identity because I was still working uh, for these C-level executives at these big organizations, these big companies, and I was really nervous about sharing such a big part of my life uh, openly on the web. You know, I wasn't on social media or anything before starting for Food Babe, so it was a it was it took a lot of courage for me to break through those um, those ideals and like start this blog. And so um, when I started blogging, you know, I, I swear I had like my mom and like three or four friends <laughs> following me and a couple coworkers and that was it, you know? And it wasn't until I really began to realize that there are so many people hungry for this information out there, that this information about true health, how to really take care of yourself, how to have preventative measures and preventative medicine and to um, really uh, use food as medicine, had hasn't been um, popularized through the mainstream media, wasn't available in the commercials that you see on TV, wasn't available in the mainstream magazines and literature, and, and this information needed to be shared in a big way. And people were, were really um, being duped by a lot of the marketing messages and industry literature that's been co-opted by the food industry. I mean, even registered dietitians, some of them, you know, are funded by some of these big food companies, uh, their, their conferences, etc. And I started to find out this information, and it really started to make me upset. And, it, and when I found out that certain individuals and, and, and health professionals and experts started recommending products that had nothing to do with health, I realized right then and there that you really have to be 
um, in control of the information that you look for and you need to do the research on your own and you need to find out what these ingredients that you're eating mean and if you don't understand an ingredient you need to go look it up and read it and find out um, and find out what it is and where it comes from and if you can't pronounce it you know go find out what it is don't just you know ignore it and say you shouldn't eat it go find out what it is and that's been the 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 basis of foodbabe.com is to find out what we're eating and to teach everyone about what's really in food and and you know you'll see on the top header of foodbabe.com you know I'm hot on the trail to investigate what's in your food because that's what I'm really great at I'm like a gumshoe you know I just don't stop if somebody tells me no I keep going um, and I really want everyone to know the truth so they they can make the best informed decisions for their family and I come at it from a citizen journalist perspective you know I'm not a nutritionist a scientist um, I am a citizen journal journalist that is looking out for the greater good and the greater people and looking beyond these special interests so that people can get the true information about what's really in our food and that means calling out not only the um, big processed fast food companies and the big processed food manufacturers like General Mills and Kraft, etc. But it also means calling out organic companies like Horizon and um, So Delicious, people that were using certain ingredients that they shouldn't have been. So I call out everyone. You know, there's no no one off my hit list. This is this is this is a hundred percent for the consumer, so that they know what they're eating and drinking and can make the best informed decision for their health. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you walk the walk too, that it started with a personal story and that you led by example. I think those are the most powerful types of leadership and activism when it starts from your heart like that. And I'd love to get into a little bit more detail because one thing you've talked a lot about that is mind boggling is how so many ingredients in the U.S. are not found in other countries, even in the same product. So can we delve into that? What are some of the specific ingredients, especially in U.S. food that aren't other places? And why do you think that that divide is happening? Well, several other countries, um, especially Europe, have what's called a precautionary principle. They actually take precaution before introducing a food additive into the food supply if there are any um, questionable studies on those ingredients. They take the high road of the consumer versus the food company. Here in the United States, they do the reverse. They actually allow the food companies to say whether these food additives are safe or not, and then the FDA approves it based on what these food companies bring to the FDA. So it's a completely backward system. And that's why you'll see a slew of chemicals that are not allowed for use in other countries used here. And some of those ingredients, for example, one of them is one where I started a campaign to get removed was azodicarbonamide. It was a, you know, that's a mouthful of an ingredient, but it's an ingredient that actually is used to um, create uh, evenly dispersed air bubbles within dough and within bread and, and as a bleaching agent. And this is an ingredient that hasn't been allowed for use in several countries, even China. And if you get caught using it in certain countries, you can get fined $450,000 and put in prison and the reason why certain companies, uh, countries don't use it 
is because it is linked to health issues and workers, an occupational hazard, but also when it's heated, it turns into a carcinogen when it's used in food. And so that's why people will actually put you in prison for using this ingredient in your food. Um, and it's a cost-saving measure that they're using this ingredient. They want their bread to look uniform no matter how it's processed. And this is what Subway was using in their bread um, before I started a campaign to get it removed. And now, removing this specific ingredient from Subway doesn't make it any healthier, but what it did do was it inspired tens of companies, I mean, I'd say probably over 20 companies to remove this ingredient as well and bring up the awareness about how a company can say that you're eating fresh and you're still eating this chemical that's linked to all these issues and banned across the globe and is also used in yoga mats and shoe rubber and that's not really eating fresh and that was the really reason for my campaign for that but it really angered me that Subway and several other companies had taken out this ingredient in all the products that they sold in other countries, but not for Americans. And that disparity, that double standard, that hypocrisy is what really angers me. And it's actually the case with artificial food dyes. Artificial food dyes in, in Europe requires a warning label that says may cause adverse effects on activity and attention in children. But here in the United States, Companies can get away with putting as much artificial food dye in their food as, as they want. And actually, there's a new study that came out that showed that the amount of food dye that's in the typical um, child's diet is much higher than the FDA even looked at when they approved artificial food dye several years ago. So, you know, these food dyes, these food chemicals that are allowed for use um, here in the United States and not elsewhere in other countries, I think these food companies, if they've already reformulated their products, need to serve us the same exact product without these harmful chemicals. They're serving us now an inferior product. I mean, I'll give you an example of Kraft Mac and Cheese. The main um, box of Kraft Mac and Cheese in the UK does not have artificial food dyes. It has paprika and beta carotene. Americans deserve the same. Same goes with M&Ms. M&Ms do not have artificial food dyes in Europe, but here in the United States, we get these petroleum-based dyes linked to hyperactivity in children, and that can be contaminated with carcinogens, according to the Rainbow Risk Report from the Center of Science and Public Interest. So, you know, this is something that um, is something that's widespread that companies do to save money. They won't say it. When you ask them, like for example, when I met with Kraft and I asked them why they do this, they wouldn't tell me. But the only reason that I could think of is that they care more about their bottom line than they care about the health of their consumers. Personally, I believe it is absolutely immoral and unethical for a company to realize their product could be harming someone or an ingredient that they use in their product could be harming someone and they continue to use it in other countries because of regulations. I think it's absolutely immoral. Yeah, I agree and I it makes me so mad that in Europe food dyes contain a warning label for children and in the US they're especially marketed to children. Every kids meal, every kids everything is bright red or bright blue or something and we're feeding our kids huge amounts of this, but when I talk about these things, one objection I get a lot is that, well, it's all in moderation, you know, a little bit doesn't really count, it doesn't matter as long as it's in moderation. Um, so talk about that, like, can a little bit of these chemicals actually impact the body, or is it okay just to have a little bit? 
Well, actually, this is what I talk about in my new book that's coming out in February, The Food Babe Way, and I talk about the sickening 15 ingredients you must avoid and, and why it is absolutely critical that we avoid these food additives. And one of the reasons is, is because we do not know the dose. We do not know the cumulative effect of all of these ingredients added to our food at once. The things added to our breakfast, the things added to our lunch, the things added to our snacks, to our dinner, all the things you have uh, unintentionally added when you go out to eat or when you outsource your food to a box. We do not know the cumulative effect of all of these chemicals in our body. And actually, no one has studied them, and no one knows how much we're being exposed to. Even the FDA, Michael Taylor, the deputy commissioner of the FDA, said just recently in the Washington Post, we have no idea how many chemicals the American public's being exposed to. And for me, for someone who, when I eliminated all of these chemicals from my diet, and I went to a whole plant-based organic diet, and how my life completely changed, my looks, my medicines, going from six to eight prescription drugs, depending on the season, to zero, um, not only my weight changing, my cravings changing, my, um, my skin changing, everything changing dramatically. I know that these chemicals aren't doing a body good. And when you look at the studies, specific studies on some of these chemicals, there are alarming things that we need to be aware of. Now, if something, for example, like caramel coloring level 4, which has 4 MEL in it, is causing cancer 1 in 100,000 people, according to the International um, uh, Agency for Research on Cancer. Do you want to be that one person in 100,000, you know, people? I personally don't. You know, I've, I've had people in my life die of cancer. I have a father who has cancer. So, you know, I know what cancer is. And for an ingredient to be used for a cosmetic purpose, not for any benefit to the consumer and have any sort of risk associated with it, I don't think it needs to be in our food. And so in this book and in my work on foodbabe.com, I try to always link back to the studies, link back to the data that I see that these ingredients could be um, have risks associated with them. And I link back to the information and the experts that are saying not to eat these ingredients. This is not me saying this. This is me finding this information out and bringing it to the public um, and letting them know about what's happening. Yeah, I, I agree. And you and I are both obviously big advocates of an organic diet, no processed food. But what do you think it's going to take for the pendulum to actually swing and for things to change? Because um, I mean, you're making huge strides with your army in actually raising awareness and getting these ingredients out. But what can parents and families do in their own households to start bringing about these changes? Well, one of the first things that people can do is start reading the ingredient lists and um, start investigating their food. You know, you don't have to be an expert or a scientist or nutritionist in order to read an ingredient label and to understand that ingredients that don't belong in food really shouldn't be there. Um, and uh, 
and, and what I would really like to see people do is when they find out this information, when they find out that, for example, the fruit by the foot or fruit roll-up that they've been buying for their child has cottonseed oil, which cottonseed oil is not regulated like a, like a food crop, it's regulated like a textile crop, and that means that they can spray so many different kinds of pesticides on it that aren't even allowed in food, and that's actually in children's food that people are buying for their kids' lunch boxes. When they find out information like that, and if they read it anywhere, like on, on the blog post I just recently did on that topic, share it with someone. I mean, that's one of the most fundamental things people can do is when they learn about the ingredients in their food or they learn something about nutrition, share it with their loved ones, teach them what they know, and that's how this information starts to spread, which eventually leads to the third piece of advice, which is to vote with your dollars. It's absolutely critical that we choose the marketplace we live in, and the way we can do that is to vote with our dollars and pick the brands that are not polluting our bodies with these chemicals, that are using real whole food ingredients in their products, and start supporting those brands, the brands that want to label genetically engineered ingredients and not hide ingredients from us. We should start supporting those brands and those products, and we should start supporting the farmers markets, the people who are growing our food directly and, and supporting the organic farmers so that organic farming continues to grow and flourish. Yeah, I totally agree. And obviously, I think the best scenario is we all just stop eating anything that comes in a box and we go back to that way of eating. But for those people who are maybe still, they have some processed food, they're working on reducing that, what are some ingredients they should be especially aware of? Um, like if, you know, if they find it on a label, what should they not eat if they see these ingredients? Well, one of the things that is almost in every product on the shelves out there, um, I feel like it's in a lot of things, is enriched flour. Enriched flour, you know, doesn't sound like a scary chemical or ingredient, but it actually is a, a terrible um, uh, ingredient to have in food because it doesn't provide the body pretty much any nutritional value. It's, it's so devoid of nutrition that they try to add back synthetic vitamins into that flour to get you to eat that to think that there is some nutrition. And so um, eliminating enriched flour alone would eliminate, I'd say, 50% of the products on the product shelves, um, just getting rid of that one ingredient because it's just basically processed white flour and a lot of the times it's been bleached with chemicals which isn't good. Um, that's one of the first ones. The second one is to look at oils. You know, we want to stay away from the inflammatory oils. We want to stay away from the soybean, the corn, the canola, all of those type of oils that cause inflammation. And We want to move towards the olive oil, the coconut oil. In the, in the grass-fed butter. And if those products have, you know, canola, soy, or corn, likely it's probably been genetically engineered unless it has, like, a non-GMO project um, uh, uh, label or an organic label on the, on the package. So you definitely want to avoid it for that reason. But you also want to avoid it because it, it disrupts your omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acid ratio. And that has been linked to all sorts of issues, everything from depression to Alzheimer's to, um, to uh, autoimmune disorders, etc. So we want to make sure that you know, we're putting the best oils in our body and, and really looking at the things that aren't going to be rancid. Um, and then the third thing is try to avoid ingredients that don't look like 
food and don't uh, sound like food. And, um, and this could be something that is really easy for consumers to understand because, you know, if they look at the back of a package and they see an ingredient they don't understand, I wouldn't buy that product until you do understand that ingredient, until you do have time to look it up and find out what it is. Um, but a lot, I'd say nine times out of ten, it's an ingredient that you probably don't want to be consuming. And um, if it doesn't look like real food, put it back down. And I think the other really key point here, it, you know, we hit flour, we hit oils, and I think the other key point here is dairy, is that, you know, the concentrated amount of hormones or antibiotics available in our conventional factory farms meat and dairy in this country is astronomical and I'd really encourage everyone to either go organic or and grass-fed if they can to avoid the growth hormone that's linked to cancer and the antibiotics that is leading to antibiotic resistance which actually threatens the whole human population if uh, it continues the way it is because it's producing superbugs to the point where the antibiotics are not able to kill these bugs when we consume them, so we're being, ex you know, we're being exposed to these superbugs that could actually wipe out the human race. So the antibiotic issue is a huge issue. So always choose meat that hasn't been raised with antibiotics, organic meat, um, and make sure you look for a meat that hasn't been given growth hormone. Yeah, that's so key. I think I, I read an article recently about how many doses of antibiotics you actually are consuming if you eat conventional meat and dairy every day. And it's more than you would get if you went to the doctor regularly for getting sick. It's pretty insane and people don't even think about it. Um, but I, I think it can seem really negative all the time because really, honestly, it is. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. But you also have a lot on your blog about good ways to incorporate healthy foods and vegetables and stuff like that. So that's the other side of it, obviously. Get the bad out. But talk a little bit about great ways to start incorporating the fresh, healthy, natural foods. Yeah, so one of the, the key things that I've been able to do that I love is I try to make like, I try to eat one raw thing at every meal. So like, for example, like at breakfast, I might have a bowl of oatmeal, but also have, you know, raw blueberries on top, or I'll have a green juice with that, or a green smoothie. And so every meal I'm going to have something raw, and so then at lunch I might actually have a big salad, and that could be my raw thing, but it could have some cooked components on top, cooked meat or some cooked um, veggie burger or, you know, some black beans or something like that. And then at dinner, I like to either have a small salad or some carrot sticks or some other type of chopped vegetable that's also raw. And that actually, what that allows you to do is eating something a little bit raw at each meal allows you to actually get fruits and vegetables in their most unadulterated form that haven't been touched by anyone, that haven't been um, processed into a product or into a box. And so it means you're getting like some serious nutrition at every single meal throughout the day. And it's so little. I mean, it just, it seems so little, but I think it really adds up in terms of getting the, the right nutrients in your body. Another thing that has been absolutely amazing uh, for my health and that I share often on my blog is um, superfoods, things like hemp seed and chia seed and fermented foods and sprouts. These are types of foods that have an extraordinary number of nutrients compared to the density. So um, experiment with superfoods. Start to look for the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet and start incorporating them into your everyday diet. And you know, I have a ton of recipes using these superfoods on the site and hope you guys check it out.
Yeah, that's great. And I always say there's so many different diet philosophies, and I feel like sometimes we get hung up on these little details, but everybody pretty much agrees, eat a ton of vegetables. So even if you have like, if you're not sure where to start with everything else in the diet, start there, and you've already made a big step. Um, and then to kind of finish up, I want to respect your time, but what would your advice be to a family who's just starting out? Maybe a mom's hearing this and is kind of feeling guilty because there are some processed things in the fridge or in the pantry or the kids are still kind of addicted to those like you said you were when you were little. Where would be a good starting place? Maybe three steps that they can start with to start that ball rolling. So first and foremost, don't get overwhelmed. There's no reason to get overwhelmed. You can start at any point in time, and it's not an all or nothing thing. I mean, it took me several years to get up to this point where I know about every food chemical, and I know what to eat and what not to eat, and so it is a learning process. So the first thing to do is start to educate yourself. Pick up some books about this topic. There's a ton of books I know that you have on your site, on my site as well, where we go through and we talk about what's happening in the food industry, that authors have detailed out specific ingredients. One of my favorite books is Pandora's Lunchbox by Melanie Warner, where she talks about really the, the, the hot topic chemicals in our food and what the food industry has done, and then even her own personal uh, narrative in the back of how to break free from that. Same with Robin O'Brien, The Unhealthy Truth. She's done a similar thing, which she, she provides a very balanced approach. You know, start switching out the, um, the sprinkles on top of uh, your, your child's birthday cake uh, with uh, non-artificial food dye sprinkles. Even though sprinkles aren't actually a good thing to have, you know, start making those small shifts. Start going uh, for the organic chips over the um, processed variety. Um, start moving towards uh, an ingredient list that's less amount of ingredients from the ingredients that have the most amount of ingredients. Start making those small changes. And then the last thing here is that um, it's, it's really simple. You can take it day by day, you know, it's, um, and you really have to plan. You can take it day by day, but you have to plan. So, for example, if you know you're going to be in a situation where you're not going to have access to food, plan the day before. Take the time to think about, hey, can I pack a lunch tonight and put it in the fridge so I can grab and go? Can I put together a little ice pack so that it stays fresh in my bag? You know, is there something I can do? I know I'm going to the airport on this on this trip. Can I take some, something with me to the airport so that I'm not um, I'm not destined to have all of those um, processed foods and processed fast foods that I'm being exposed to in those environments. And so it really takes a little bit of, you know, day-by-day -day action and day-by-day -day planning. And so I really encourage people to care about what they're eating. Don't wait till the moment that they start to be hungry to figure out what you're going to eat. Really start to plan. At the beginning of the week, come up with a meal plan. And actually, I have a meal planning service on my site that's called the Eating Guide that takes the whole guesswork out for everyone and gives people the grocery shopping list and the meals that they should make each week and so they don't even have to think and and honestly you know it's funny I use that as well because you know I'm busy I know you're busy Katie and it and, and when you're caught in these situations where you aren't planning and you haven't taken the time to plan then that's really where you start to lose control of what you're eating to outside courses to the restaurant to the packaged foods to the fast food 
And that's what we have to do is start taking back control of our food, you know, start cooking. And, and I think that's probably the third one, which is just cook as much food as possible for your family with ingredients that you know and uh, have picked out yourself. Absolutely. Bonnie, thank you so, so much for your time. I know you're out there on the front lines really raising awareness and getting people to understand what's in their food, and I think you're doing amazing things. So thank you for your time and for your work. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wellness Mama podcast, where I provide simple answers for healthier families. If you would like to get my seven simple steps for healthier families guide for free, head on over to wellnessmama.com and enter your email and I'll send it over to you right away. You can also stay in touch on social media, facebook.com forward slash endless wellness or on Twitter and Instagram at wellnessmama. And I would also really appreciate it if you would take a second and subscribe to this podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you've ever benefited from something I've talked about on this podcast, I would be really appreciative if you would leave a rating or review since that's how others are able to find this podcast and so we can help spread the message. Thanks as always for listening and for reading and for being on board with creating a future for our children that's healthier and happier. And until next time, 